welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. So y'all got some decorations up? <laughs> I guess it's that time of year. I mean, it yeah. feels, feels a little early, but then I don't, mm-hmm. you know, what? who cares? <laughs> that's Yep, that's where we were. I was like, <laughs> it's too early for Christmas decorations, but... Um, it's fine. Who cares? Yeah. I heard Why like not? there was like a news story that was like you know putting up your your decorations uh, can help with with depression. And I'm like ah that's just a capitalist scam to get me to buy lights. And like two days later I'm like mm, and I'm buying into it. <laughs> <laughs> well it it and it I think right now especially with the kids in the house anything that's just different like new a new stimulus that is introduced into the equation is really refreshing. And so it was like here are some christmas decorations that i'm gonna put around the house and you can break (laughs) mom mom at one point bought it it was for charlie because cooper was not born yet so that's how little charlie was also bought her a uh nativity set that is peanuts themed i remember Uh, this yeah the uh the characters in this nativity scene more so than i mean I know that, like, if things are ceramic or whatever, they're breakable. Like, I understand that concept. But for some reason, the way these particular characters are designed, their heads come off so easily. Like, I mean, you, you, like, barely set them down on carpet at the wrong angle, and their little ceramic heads just snap right off. (laughs) So, with the introduction of Cooper in our family... She has decapitated the entire Peanuts gang. Yeah. Well, that and I keep course. gluing their heads back on, and she keeps decapitating them again. <laughs> they all have little red ribbons tied around their neck. <laughs> Don't take it off. <laughs> I uh, I did. I left. I have some Legos built in my room, and I was hanging out with Charlie this morning, brushing her hair, and Cooper was over near my Legos playing with the tiny people. It's like, oh, that's fine. She's making them talk to each other and stuff. And then when they left, uh, I went over and on the ground was just all the heads and all the hair. She mm-hmm. had taken off all the hair pieces and all the heads off of all the characters and they were just all over on the ground. And the bodies were what she'd been playing with and having just the headless bodies talk to each other. <laughs> you, you should have heard this morning. I asked both the girls how they slept and Charlie said, I had a bad dream, which I later learned, by the way, she made up this entire bad dream she had. And then she looked at me and went, I made all that up. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, why? <laughs> but she said that. And Cooper was kind of sitting there playing with something, not really paying attention, and immediately like jerked her head around and went, what was it about? <laughs> and then what? And what was it? What was the creature? What was it? Tell me more. I mean, it was like... Tell I me am, about your fears. I need to know about your nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know... Those are my two children. Yeah. Charlie, for no reason whatsoever, invents a nightmare and then at the end admits it, always admits it, would mm-hmm. never like let that lie just sit there like right. I totally made that up. Uh, and Cooper is obsessed with I need more details about the nightmare. Mm-hmm. So, you know, happy holidays. <laughs> mom has tried to explain santa to cooper now Mm -hmm. multiple times and it seems like every time then like a day later mom will bring up santa who what is this santa claus oh cooper will ask who's santa (laughs) like i haven't met this guy when when does he come over (laughs) i've been in the house a year and i'm only 
two and a half. So I have no memory of other humans now. <laughs> I spent half my life in this house. I mean, it is. Kind of, I would say, like, if you'd never heard of Santa and it was a, a it was a new concept to you, it is a pretty out there concept. Yeah, <laughs> I realized as I was describing to her, we're sitting there on the couch and I'm pointing at the the chimney and I'm like, so he, this guy's going to come down there. <laughs> And he's going to come out of that hole right there. And then he's going to put presents for you guys under that tree and then go back up it. But only if you're good. And she's looking at me like, that's what I get if I'm good. <laughs> the guy comes down the chimney. It could be bad, I think, for safety. <laughs> oh, the elf has to come back. Oh, man. Oh, the, oh, I, I gotta saw bring the elf back. a great a great trick, a great hack on Facebook. Sometimes I get on like crafty Facebook mom mm-hmm. side of Facebook, and I don't oh know my. I don't know how or why. I um, don't even go there. <laughs> but uh, it was for kids who will try to touch the elf because uh-huh. if you touch the elf, it loses its magic. Um, <laughs> it's a high stakes elf. You can't touch it. Uh-huh. Uh, but they put it in a little like Tupperware and said it was in quarantine. And gave it like, you know, a little fake bottle of soap and hand sanitizer and put a mask on it. I hope they poked some holes in the top. <laughs> they did not. They did not. It was just a little box. But they said it's in quarantine, so you can't get close to him. You can't touch it because he's in quarantine. That is that slowly a little... suffocating in Tupperwares. <laughs> it's a little ghoulish. Well, never mind. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I... Cooper to tries fair, to touch the elf every single year, uh-huh. and it ends up with her touching it somehow, and Charlie freaking out and having a breakdown because then Cooper just took away the elf's magic. See, that happens at Mom's house. At our house, the elf is never uh, anywhere that anyone can reach it. The elf flies, and so it hangs out <laughs> very high, like high places in the house where neither child could touch mm-hmm. the elf. Mm-hmm. So that that is the arrangement here. <laughs> the, the elf has also been purchased changes of clothes mm-hmm. by our mother and so i also have to change the elves clothes period it's such a pain i i just respect that cooper's goal is to take the elves magic i think she's maybe she's thinking she's becoming more powerful maybe she is becoming mm-hmm. more powerful it's possible that's like you I might totally possible you could get presents or you could get power <laughs> Like then I could get all the presents I want. And I think she's got a she's got the she's running a long game on this. I, I respect that. I did appreciate that you asked them both for their Christmas lists and Charlie's was like, you know, a front and a back and had, mm-hmm. you know, fifty things on it. And Cooper's was one item long. Baby Yoda. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's all she wants. Baby Yoda. Uh Charlie also wants Baby Yoda, but then she wants eighty five other things. Mm-hmm. Most of them are like labs and kits they all that you end can buy. with lab yeah it's like perfume lab bath bomb lab lip gloss lab so like i have a ton of those things listed for her um also that donald trump will never be president again is on her list this was from her by the way i did not i did not plant that seed she was having me write it down <laughs> and she was reciting to me and she went and right now uh the next one is donald trump never to be president again <laughs> I mean, yes, honey, we all wish that. Uh, At least you can get her that this year. Uh, Hopefully. Yeah. At least not for the next four years. Uh, You know, I almost had to uh, spend Thanksgiving in quarantine. Oh, no. Like the elf on the shelf. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I almost was exposed at work. That's scary. What happened? Uh, One of my team was directly exposed to a 
to a positive patient. And so I was then exposed to my team member for a couple days before any of us realized Mm -hmm. what had happened. All is well. Well, yes, because we are now sitting at a table with each other. Yes. So I would hope so. (laughs) All is well. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think you figured that out ahead of time. It was scary, though. I would urge everybody to um, not gather for this Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, it, was, I, it was a scary 48 hours there until we knew for sure. Yeah. I have not been directly exposed to anyone who's positive, but the last week I was living on campus, I, every single person I knew and lived with had been either like directly exposed to someone positive or like secondhand like exposed to someone who was exposed to someone who was positive. Um, and it was like the scariest week of my life because I just kept thinking like, well, I haven't been around anyone who's tested positive. But then I just kept going like, but they were and then I was around them and then mm-hmm. they were. I ended up getting two different tests that week just because I was so, so freaked out. I, uh, both of them were negative, obviously. So. Thank goodness we're yes. all well. And <laughs> Riley and I will join mom and dad and Justin is coming with us mm-hmm. uh, in the vaccine trial this Sunday. Yes. I hope, I hope you all get so. the actual vaccine and not the placebo. <laughs> Oh, me too. Uh, me too. That is good. I <laughs> yeah, I saw the. Uh, don't look at it if you don't want to be bummed out. But the the map of flights are across oh, America. Yeah. I don't want to think about it. It's yeah. just like it's all planes. It's the shape of America made out of planes. It is. <laughs> Why? In good, I mean, in good news though, our mom had side side effects. Yes. After the vaccine. Mm-hmm. I mean, they weren't bad. She's fine. It no. was a day. Mild, but, but enough to make me think she got the real deal. Yeah. That's good. Which um. resulted in me also hoping, you know, I get side effects. Um, who will save our souls from this Thanksgiving? <laughs> this is my transition. There is it this is. Anything? Yeah, sure. Um, I... I didn't realize when I brought Jewel uh, to the table this week, I did not realize what I was doing. Bringing? No. It has been so long. (laughs) Uh, First of all, this is very timely. It's the 25th anniversary uh, of Pieces of You. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize this. And there were just this week, like, all these new interviews with Jewel, uh, her singing with Kelly Clarkson. And that made Sydney cry. It did. It did. (laughs) Earnestly made me cry. Um, there have been all these new videos released by Jewel and I think like a new edition maybe of Pieces of You. So like I didn't realize that, but it was very timely. Um, I also have not listened to the entire album in a very long time. And whoa, it took me on a journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so tell, tell us about that journey. Uh, <laughs> Riley, this was your first yeah. Well, I want to know before I start saying anything. What, Riley? This was your first jewel encounter. Yes. Did you recognize even like the the big singles from the album? I did. Oh wow! No. Really? None of it. No. I don't. I mean, wow. maybe it has been on like peripherally at some point in my life, but not that I have ever been aware of until last night and this morning. <laughs> what a uh, what first impressions before it, we dig? It was a lot mm-hmm. um, because. I was trying to listen to the lyrics as I was listening to the music um, because I, I figured that that was going to be as important. If mm-hmm. there was a reason Jewel is in, so great, it wasn't just going to be the music. Got, got be something in the lyrics as well. 
Um, she was a folk artist yeah. initially, so I think that's fair. Usually, like the it's more the pop music where you're just listening for like you know the refrains in the, the music, and but yeah. like the indie, the more indie alternative folk stuff, the lyrics. Um, so you know, I I put the album on shuffle, started listening to it. Oh, you shuffled it. I did. Um, and the first one that came on was um, the You Were Meant For Me. Yes. The most popular one. Mega hit. Mega hit. Mega hit when um, it, when it not right when it was released, but soon thereafter. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I, I can d- get into this. Like, you know, the gu- guitar start that most all of the songs actually almost have the same kind of like slow build up lead in with the, the soul guitar. Um but then some of these songs I was listening and I was like, this is nice. This is good. Mm-hmm. And then the lyrics just like take you somewhere and you're like, I don't know what's going on anymore. And I don't know what I'm listening to anymore. <laughs> like, um, uh, daddy is a good example uh-huh. of lyrics. I was like, okay, I get it. I knew she was a teen when she had written and performed this like angsty. My dad mm-hmm. doesn't understand me. And then you get to the end of the song. Yes, and the and turn is daddy's in the KKK. Yes. The, the, the titular daddy. I don't know if Jules actual daddy. Sure. But the, the daddy, the <laughs> aforementioned daddy. Um, <laughs> and I had to stop the music and think about what I had just listened to and then <laughs> back it up about 10 seconds and just re-listen. Like, I, I couldn't have heard that right. I misheard. Let me listen again. And I did that several times with Jewel. <laughs> so I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And to like, I realized I, I listened to the whole album when I was young, when I first got it many, many times. So I definitely heard all those songs, but I also realized like, I think I skipped around mm-hmm. after the first few listens a lot, like to my favorite ones. I don't think I just, I wasn't cranking Adrian sure. and daddy <laughs> And the title track, Pieces of You. Oh, man. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Uh, the the album, I should say. So it, com- it came out in 90, 1995, obviously 25 years ago, which the fact that that album came out 25 years ago, I can't quite wrap my head around, but, but it did. And when it first came out, I guess it wasn't a giant hit. It, it like Atlantic released it and it, wasn't a complete flop but kind of Mm -hmm. and then after that within like a year after that is when jewel who was already touring constantly jewel was constantly playing shows all over the u.s started and she opened for like every band that was big at the time jewel opened for uh and then she got picked up to open for bob dylan and neil young and that was really she opened for them and did all these shows and that's when she took off Mm -hmm. and just like uh, you were meant for me. Foolish games. Uh, save your soul. Who will save your soul? Those songs were just. Gi- I mean, every time you turn on the radio, they were on the music videos. Wherever they were, just constantly. Everybody knew them. Mm-hmm. Everybody was singing them. Um, and she became this giant hit. And that's when all like kind of the lore around Jewel. Everybody knew like what's her story. She's a teenager. She lived in her car for a while. Like who is this person? Um, she used to kick people out of Bob Dylan's shows because she would open for Bob Dylan. And if anybody would like be like going to the bathroom or talking or something during her set, she would get so offended that she would stand up on stage and tell him to leave. Whoa. That was why Bob Dylan first called her back to his dressing room to talk to her was like, who is this 
person who's yeah. opening for me and throwing people out of my shows. <laughs> Man. She said she still does that to this day. Really? If you don't pay attention to her when she's singing, she'll throw you out. My gosh. I would have to pee my pants to stand there. Like, I can't go to the bathroom. Jewel will be offended. <laughs> Jewel- <laughs> she's- gotta wear, gotta hey, wear listen, a diaper. <laughs> she told you she's sensitive. Yeah. She-, <laughs> she did. She wrote a whole song about it. Well, I, um, you know, she. it seems like, because I read an interview where she was talking about how much she needed to steal herself to be a young woman, as young as she was in the industry. So... I don't know. Like, maybe that's a bit of a hard line, but maybe she felt she had to have that because of just how much young women are taken advantage of. I think she did. I think, like, that was the thing. So she she left home. Uh, she lived, I forget where, somewhere in Alaska when she was 16, came down to, like, San Diego, and her mom went back home and she stayed. And she really did just, like, hitchhike and sleep outside and she lived in her car for a while she talks about like hitchhiking around mexico and giving foot rubs on the boardwalk in cabo <laughs> to make money okay. so she could play gigs <laughs> yeah it's just because <laughs> just to be nice because right? <laughs> she was like that she's nice no <laughs> um before she got like a standing gig at like a coffee shop and then from there she got discovered so like it really was all about the music and the storytelling, but I think that it is important to frame it as the storytelling from a 16, 17, 18, I think like 19 before she got really big year old. So it, it's not like someone with decades of wisdom and life sure. experience. It's very raw. It's very earnest. It's exactly what she thinks at every moment written down and made into an album and it got a ton of criticism for that Mm -hmm. i mean she just oh my gosh critics hated that she seemed immature that she seemed childish they talked about how high schoolish all her lyrics were i mean she was in high school (laughs) and, and i mean she really got torn apart critically even as she was selling just tons of Mm -hmm. albums and i know like for me I was, what, like 12 mm-hmm. when this came out. So and it probably was something I bought when I was around 13. That CD was, I mean, just huge for me. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like here was someone who was singing the things that I was feeling and thinking and caring about and but i mean i was like a 13 14 year old girl of course these things spoke to me she was just a little bit older than me you know the connection i am now making is this is this is the taylor swift this is yes this is taylor swift jewel walked so taylor swift could run (laughs) exactly because taylor swift was a teenager like probably 16 to 19 writing songs from the perspective of a teenage girl that all the you know adults criticized Mm -hmm. and said they were immature and they were dumb and they were bad and all the young teenage girls were obsessed with them i'm now just now making this connection like the music is different sure but like Mm -hmm. that that is the same exact thing that's such like because especially in the late 90s we're talking about the rise of like the very manufactured pop princess right like this is you know we've got Mm -hmm. britney spears and extina coming to the forefront and i think you know, you had like the the more uh, I think the more adult like folk singers. Like you had like uh, I'm trying to think of like um, Ani DeFranco and I mean even like yeah. Fiona Apple that were a little scarier, that were a little bit or like Tori Amos that were a little like 
harder to relate to. They were a little bit more complex emotions. I th- the critics called them the angry yeah, girls. Yeah, they were angry. Yeah. And Jewel yeah. was sensitive and earnest. <laughs> and I think that that was something that you just, you didn't, you could relate to. And it was nice to see mm-hmm. a young woman that wasn't being sexualized represent your feelings, I think. like I, I think that's very true. And, you know, it's interesting, too, as I listen to them, some of it is sexual, and I, she got criti- she got a lot of criticism for talking about her feelings and her own like sexuality. Mm-hmm. Which, hello, that's every woman who has ever <laughs> yeah ever talked about their own sexuality on their terms. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she was she was held up sort of in that way initially as like here's someone who is a female singer songwriter who's not so angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Um, but it, I mean, it was folk music. And so it wasn't just about her feelings and love and that kind of thing. It was about her perspective on the world. And I think that that's where things do, especially looking at it through the lens of 2020. There are parts of the lyrics where you're like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I had not thought about that since, oh, gosh, who knows the last time I sat down and listened to the entire album. Yeah. I did have to remind myself a few times, like, this was from 1995, that I'm not going to listen to this as someone in 2020. I listen to this as, you know, through the lens of which in which it was written. Yes. Uh, yeah, I have to say, um, Justin had never heard, he, he did, of course, did not own the CD back in the day. Mm-hmm. He had heard the mega hits that everybody had, had heard, but he was not familiar with some of the lesser known tracks from that album. And so I played the song Pieces of You for him last night for the first time he'd ever heard it and uh justin was literally crawling onto the (laughs) kitchen counter and like hiding his head like his face from me like cringing and he looked at me he was like these can't be the words and i was like these are these are the words the words it's it's a it's it was a hard to listen to song i mean especially the title track you know uh and I mean, I obviously centering on the fact that there's a whole string of lyrics that center on the F slur, and yes, that mm-hmm. yes, you know that that the that's sp- coming from. I'm pretty sure Jewel is straight straight cis woman singing that lyric repeatedly. It's like, oh no, please stop. Mm-hmm. But yes, you know, when you put it in the context of the time, I mean, that we were we were pretty pretty homophobic in the '90s. It was a mainstream musician. Framing a lyric around, like, sort of throwing that word back in the faces of people that might use it. It doesn't make it okay by today's standards, but I do remember, like, hearing that as a young person, and it was kind of one of the first times that it was ever presented to me, like, hey, you you shouldn't, these words shouldn't be used against people. Like, the first time it was kind of a, you know, a mainstream artist standing up on behalf of young queers. So that, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you're very right. I want to... what what you're saying about that i want to talk about that idea more but before we do that let's check the group message um you all know what time it is it's, it's like 11 50 well, no i mean like the time <laughs> i mean that too it is i am pretty young for lunch no it's 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 time to start looking for your gifts for ah. the people in your life that you love this holiday season yes um and that's because it's never too early, especially this year, um, to start shopping for holiday gifts. Even though we haven't even hit December yet, that's okay. 
time doesn't exist this year. <laughs> um, and especially because today you can save big on a gift that everyone you love will use every day. And that's Raycon wireless earbuds. Um, I know for me, I have been doing all my classes online. So having reliable headphones that uh, work and that are comfortable and that block out all the other noise um, is very important. So I can pay attention to my teachers. I can take notes, but also not disturb my roommates or other people in the library or my parents, um, all those kinds of things. And that is what has been great about Raycon wireless earbuds. They have seamless Bluetooth pairing and a comfortable noise isolating fit, and they keep you listening for hours. So they have a great battery life. Um, you know, you can block out all the other noise around you so you can listen on the go. Maybe you're on a, on a bus, on a train, those kinds of things. Keep listening to whatever you got to listen to. Nothing else will, will interfere. And the audio quality is amazing, comparable to what you would get from other premium bands, brands, except Raycons start at half the price. Wow. So this holiday season, get everyone in your life something they can use for calls or music, work or play, at home or on the go, especially in this age of everyone working and schooling and doing everything from home. Um, get them something like Raycon wireless earbuds. So Tay, if our listeners want to check out Raycon, what should they do? Uh, you can go to buyraycon.com slash buffering today to get 20% off your Raycon order. But hurry, this offer is available for a limited time only and you don't want to miss out. So once again, that's buyraycon.com slash buffering. Get that 20% off your Raycons. Uh, as Riley already mentioned, a lot of us are working from home these days and it can be really tempting when you're at home all day long, you want to be comfortable to just like leave on your pajamas, but that's not really a great mindset I have found personally to do my work in. Um, it doesn't make me feel, you know, like I'm, like I'm working. Uh, and that, that is why I can't recommend enough Beta Brands dress pant yoga pants because they are dress pants. So when you put them on, I've worn them to work many, many times. I've been a fan for a long time. You, you're in your work mindset. You're like ready to go to work, ready to get down to business. Mm -hmm. But they're as comfortable as yoga pants. So you'll still feel good when you're, whether you're doing your work at a desk or you're hanging out on the couch, um, you'll feel very comfortable in your dress pants because they, they feel like yoga pants but you look good and if you do have a zoom meeting where they can see you from the waist down that's a little weird i don't know why <laughs> but your dress maybe you gotta maybe you gotta give a presentation yeah. hey there you go and yeah. to be fair like some of us are still going to work sure so um dress pant yoga pants from beta brand are essential so that you feel comfortable and you look good when you're at work um, they combine customer experience with their expertise to make workwear, workwear that's as functional, comfortable, and inspiring as your favorite workout gear. And their dress pant yoga pants are made of wrinkle-resistant stretch knit fabric, so they're perfect. Whether you're working a long day outside your house, inside your house, you got places to go right after work, whatever, playing with your kids, all that stuff, Beta Brands got you covered. So, Tay, if our listeners want to get these pants... What should they do? Well, right now, our listeners can get 25% off their first order when you go to betabrand.com slash buffering. That's 20 25% off your first order for a limited time at betabrand.com slash buffering. Find out why people are ditching typical work pants for Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants. Go to betabrand.com slash buffering for 25% off. Uh, so, Tay, you were kind of getting into one of the core things that I was thinking as I was really like trying to reckon with my love of Jewel last night. <laughs> and 
throughout the last couple of days as I was. That was a reckoning. <laughs> <laughs> well, because Jewel, it represents her work, her especially this album, and and Jewel is like an artist represented something that I like. It was very much part of who I thought I was as a teenage girl. Um, she was like that music meant something to me, uh, and I when I think about. It's funny. I was watching a video of her performing um, with Kelly Clarkson Mm -hmm. (laughs) just from like yesterday or the Mm -hmm. day before. I mean, this just happened within the last couple of days. She was on the Kelly Clarkson show like digitally and they performed Foolish Games together in a duet, which, by the way, is beautiful. It (laughs) was beautiful. It was right. Yes. Everyone should watch this video. And I started crying (laughs) because, uh, well, one, like Kelly Clarkson can make me cry. Sydney might be crying a little bit right now. (laughs) Kelly Clarkson has the key to my heart and always will. But, um, and I, I, why do I love Kelly Clarkson? Well, probably because like she, she's sort of Jewel-esque. Like there's a, there's a Jewelness there. Um, But then Jewel's singing and like, oh, her voice and her whole thing. I mean, it it was the, the earnesty of it Mm -hmm. really was something that was important to me because I did feel like for all of the the stuff that is a little overwrought that she that she says there was a time where it felt like living in the world and trying to just earnestly be nice and be open was very difficult and the the world especially in the 90s felt very cynical it felt very sarcastic. I always felt like everyone around me was in on a joke that I wasn't in on. And Jewel talked to, I mean, she wasn't talking about that, but that was what I felt like she was talking about. Mm-hmm. Just trying to be a nice person in a world where being a nice person is bad. And I, I do feel like that sensibility is actually a lot more in touch with today, mm-hmm. like with 2020. The idea that earnesty, that is something that I have tried to carry with me my whole life. And I feel like Jewel taps into that. But I think what comes with that is that she was of a time where she uses, like you said, Taylor, the F slur. And I would recommend if that is something that you would rather not hear, don't listen to the song Pieces of You if you've never heard this album before. Because she, yes, she definitely uses that. And the way she talks about things, it's very clumsy. I mean, it's not handled well. And it's not handled with the sort of uh, care and thoughtfulness and understanding that we would expect of an artist today. Um, she was 16. It was 1995. I don't think she had that sort of understanding or had the kind of um, education or mentoring from other mm-hmm. people in her life to tell her why this was not okay. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know if you can say like she was trying at the time. Very few people were trying. Mm-hmm. So there, I don't know if there's any credit there. Um, but that, but it is of a time, and I don't know. Folk music can have that sort of feel mm-hmm. that, like, at the moment it was produced, it may have been very powerful. She was talking about how ugly these ideas and words are in that song, but also she was using them, which right. we know better now. Sure. You know, wow. I was thinking about you know often now all this was released together at once, right? Like, is one album that like, pieces of you? Yeah, yeah, that was an album because often now artists will release like the the titular track of their album first and then you know later you get the full album and i was just thinking like could you imagine this album coming out now and that's like your little teaser bit like here's the titular track full things dropping in a week 
I don't know if that would get me into no. the album. I had to, I had to listen past that one to get to, yeah. you know, all the and other there, stuff. There is a bit. There, it, there's an interesting divide, I think, on the album because when you look at the songs that were the big hits, I mean, "Save Your Soul" kind of gets into some social commentary, but the, there are a lot of songs that are just fl- flat out like normal teenage stuff, love songs, songs about longing, mm-hmm. songs about being in relationships mm-hmm. that aren't rewarding, but you're still in love. Mm-hmm. And then there's kind of the other side of it, songs that don't make you comfortable, songs that bring up stuff that, however clumsily she handles it, the point is not mm-hmm. to be like, oh, this is just a little bop. Like, it's like, no, I'm confronting you with something that I want you to think about. So there is, so I think yes. that that folk music sensibility that Sydney's talking about, that has always been an important presence in that scene. But then you're pairing it with the very earnest teen girl feelings. And it, it's an interesting, not exactly fluid mesh on the album. Well, and you can see where, like, it makes sense that because she talks about how she was mentored by Bob Dylan and, and Neil Young and how, like, they probably could see that potential there with more life experience and understanding and exposure to diverse people who would maybe inform her the way she talks about things a little better. I mean, you can see all that there because underneath it, there is that raw, like her voice is incredible. Oh yeah. You didn't even hear her yodel. No. She yodels. I did not know this. That was a big thing when she first came out was the yodeling. (laughs) Okay. Good. Good to know. Good to put on the list to watch later. Uh, Yeah, that was, that was, I remember that being one of the big deal things. Like, I remember playing her CD and mom asking me, is that that girl who lived in her car and yodels? Accurate. <laughs> Accurate. And, and the answer is yes. That was what people knew about her. Like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but you can, I mean, her voice is incredible. It's beautiful. By the way, it's still every bit as beautiful. It hasn't like suffered with time at all. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and she talks about like in the beginning, she knew like three chords and... She got better with the guitar as time went on, mm-hmm. which, again, she gets so much flack for stuff. When you look back at it, it's really easy to see her lyrics were ridiculed and like her guitar, like was it's only this was ridiculed. Where like other artists at the time who were not women were not given that every time somebody talks about a woman who doesn't play the guitar well, I think of like that the Ramones knew like four chords or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, that's being generous. Uh, yeah, like the, the foundation of punk rock is you you can scream and you know two chords. Like, you know yeah. the, the power chords. That's it. Like, And that was the uh, stuff that she got flack for. And y- the, the thing, I think, because she came out with that and then a couple albums that followed, which were similar in that folk thing, a lot more um, produced, because that first album is really, it sounds like it's being recorded in a coffee shop a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Like you have a live audience clapping mm-hmm. after some of the songs, and you can you know you can see people sitting out there like snapping instead. <laughs> you can just see mm-hmm. you can see the crowd from the song, the guitar, the clapping at the end. Like you can feel what this is, um, and it got more produced, but it also started to veer pop, and that's where things sort of I think went off the rails in those early years, and why she kind of di- I, I think disappeared like from the major stage is fair to say because her music was trying to get poppier i think in response to probably pressures from her label and from the time and like you said tay as we're moving into like the late 90s when she wasn't a pop princess but she had a great voice Mm -hmm. and she was 
you know, attractive. So you could certainly try to turn her into one. Sure. Um, and then she came out with her poetry book. What? Oh, I, the, a Night Without Armor? Yes. Oh, that's right. You told me about this. A yes. Night Without Armor, but it's spelled like N-I-G-H. So night. Because mm-hmm. it's... Mm-hmm. You get it. Right. Like a, a nighttime. Yes. But... And she's taken her armor off. Right. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> and I think I think that came out in 99. And she just, people were merciless about, the, I owned the book, just full Do you disclosure. Still? It's somewhere here. Yeah. I never get rid of books. It's somewhere in this, in this house. Um, I'll find that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, again, it was poetry that at the time I found incredibly beautiful and moving and touching because she had written it as you know, as a teenager in early 20s, mm-hmm. and it spoke to me. Um, but a lot of critics thought it was just just so schlocky and sure. bad. And there was that interview she did on MTV with Kurt Loder where he, like, I mean, I don't want to say made fun of her, but it really feels like he's it mocking like her, mm-hmm. her misunderstanding of, like, grammar and the way certain words... I don't know. It's it's rough. It's rough to watch. Mm-hmm. And like you wouldn't if you saw that if that happened now in 2020 with a female artist. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine oh, Twitter yeah. <laughs> like that? The interviewer would just be destroyed. Mm-hmm. But at the time it was like, oh, okay. he got her. Yep. Oh, he got her. Look how well he got her. Mm-hmm. She Look. misused a word one time. Look how well, clever he is. You know, it's interesting because I think that it it. This all comes back to, I think, a bigger concept that I'm I'm very curious about what happened in the 90s. And I think maybe we're getting it out of our system where honesty and earnest feelings became cringe. And we mm-hmm. we combat that with irony. If you say something kind of ironically or kind of, I don't, I'm not really serious, but whatever, then you're fine. Nobody's can make fun of you as long as you never really have strong feelings. As, as long as you don't care, you're safe. Like, it's yes. a way of protecting our real emotions by kind of treating everybody like, well, it's not a big deal. Who cares? Like, it's stupid. And she had the audacity to say, no, my feelings matter. And I'm serious about them. And they're real. And we we cringe at that. We we recoil at that. We don't like that. And I think that that's something that is is just interesting. It's a, it's a way that we patted ourselves. Because, once again, like you said, folk music was always that earnestness. It was always that honesty about my feelings and you would speak about love in flowery ways and you would speak about the world in terms of like you know we need to be kind and we need to save each other and at some point the that that became like distasteful to us Mm -hmm. which is just interesting culturally i think that's very true i think i think that was really part of what made jewel important to me and why i don't think i don't think she is irrelevant um you know, even though you could criticize some of her lyrics for not being, you know, particularly complicated or, mm-hmm. or you know, meaningful. Sure. Um, and she is limited. I think, like, that's what I think that's what the problem is. There, there are fair criticisms that you can level at Jewel, like we just talked about. Like, I understand you're trying to stand up for the the person in this song who I guess is gay but the way that you're trying to do that is not helpful. Mm-hmm. And here's right. why. And and I mean, like, there, there are fair criticisms. And she is a white woman who is talking about white woman 
problems, white woman sensitivities from a very white woman perspective. So it's limited. There's only so much that she can talk about. And you can make the case that she tries to talk about stuff that she doesn't have the experience, understanding, vocabulary to talk about. Mm-hmm. All that Absolutely. stuff is is fair game. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't that wasn't the hate that was thrown at Jewel. That may have been there. But the the large part of the hate was grounded in, I think, that sort of misogynistic distaste for anything that young women like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're young, you're a woman. It must be stupid. It must ditzy. Everything about that was the big thing. She's so ditzy. Look at how ditzy <laughs> she is. Mm-hmm. Well, like that's the, like the song I'm sensitive on this album. Got yes. so much. So just so made fun of. And I mean... I kind of get it on basis. It's literally just like, I'm sensitive. Don't hurt me. I'm a soft little baby. Don't hurt me. (laughs) But you know what? I am sensitive and I am a soft little baby and I don't want you to hurt me. So I get it. I listened to that song and I was like, you know what? Okay. Okay, Jewel. Okay. But I feel the same way about that song, actually. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of feel like, you know, there's this idea that you you're that's introduced to you at a young age. Like you got to you got to build up that thick skin. You got to just learn how to take it. You got to just and, I'm, and at some point I realized, like, I don't think I have that ability to a and b. I don't think I want to because I like the parts of me that can feel things and that can respond to the world around me with sensitivity like that. I don't think it's actually a bad idea in that song. I I uh I do not I would not say that I am um particularly <laughs> sensitive. <laughs> I did not necessarily relate with that, but I do I do think that uh in her in that song she is a little bit ahead of her time because mm-hmm. you're right, you're both right in that it's fine if you're sensitive. It that's okay. And I think like that that idea that you're talking about Tay that like you've got to have this thick skin so that because the world's going to beat you up. I that was a really unhealthy idea that i have seen fade in in the recent i would say decade or so Mm -hmm. and i think that's a good thing because like it also is a way to excuse all number of you know inequities in the system like well it's just because the world is hard and only the tough survive and that's a terrible no you just are saying that because you're rich and powerful and you want to stay rich and powerful so you're telling everybody who's not that you just have to be tougher and someday you can be like me. And like, so those beliefs are really damaging to society. And so I think like, I don't know if she knew she was talking about that. (laughs) Well, because it was just her earnest thought. This is how I feel. And she says that about like, I always thought that line that um, if we're told we're bad, then that's the only, only idea we'll ever have. I always thought that was a really powerful idea. Like the idea of looking at people and saying you're a bad person person i always remember dad saying that mm-hmm. remember dad tells us that story oh yeah yeah about, about how the his first day of school mm-hmm. his dad walked him into the classroom walked him up to the teacher and said you're going to have problems with this one mm-hmm. and so he was always a troublemaker and like what if what if maybe his dad hadn't done that mm-hmm. <laughs> i always thought about <laughs> Who that would dad be <laughs> Are you going to write a song about it? I know, right? Daddy. <laughs> Daddy B. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I don't. Daddy has nothing to do with my dad or our no, dad. No. <laughs> that is not. No. Our, our dad no. cries at McDonald's commercials. He somehow managed to, uh, to, to <laughs> keep, keep some sensitivity. Our he's, daddy he's, is sensitive. He's sensitive, <laughs> but he'd like to stay that way. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of that in this family. Uh, but I, and it's such 
an important thought because I know like having having a platform, any sort of social media presence, I've gotten the criticism directly and also told myself like maybe I'm just not cut out for this. I'm not I'm too sensitive. And a lot of people say that if you if you can't handle it, you shouldn't do it. But that means that the only people that get voices are people that have hardened themselves to be able to take all forms of criticism. And is that yes. is that the only person that should be heard? I don't think so. It's also, you know, kind of in the world, I think about this a lot as it relates to the world of like entertainment and comedy and what's funny and that kind of stuff. For so long, that was used to excuse like punching down type humor. Like, well, you just can't take it because you're too sensitive. Mm -hmm. And it was like, well, no, maybe you're just not very funny or creative if the only (laughs) thing you can, right? Like if the only thing you can think to make jokes about are people who have less social power than you mm-hmm. like maybe that's what it is and maybe it's just not that funny to begin with that's why i'm not laughing you're not funny <laughs> and it, that wasn't clever and be better or be best <laughs> <laughs> well, i remember that, that uh the we, Swift- we could be best you know <laughs> well we don't have to be best anymore now let's just be good uh <laughs> but i remember in that taylor swift documentary that you had us watch riley uh mm-hmm. taylor swift talking about mm-hmm. be maintaining her her sensitivity as mm-hmm. something important to her and i think that was a really empowering moment in that and i think it kind of brings it full circle that she's owning that that's something that she's actively doing for herself yeah yeah she kind of i mean when you think about it almost went in the opposite direction of jewel not like in the music but in that she started out being like under a record label that was kind of telling her how to act and how to present herself as this like perfect nice girl who you know doesn't have opinions on things and just sings music and it's very you know mm-hmm. harmless and just there and young girls like it but then she grew up and moved out of that and moved more into where like the kind of territory music Jewel was when Jewel started with like no this is just like I'm just gonna write about what I want to write about mm-hmm. and be myself and that's okay like it was almost the the opposite reverse direction jewel. it was she pulled a reverse jewel <laughs> is what she did <laughs> no reverse jewel card. yeah you know what you know what's interesting i was reading because like a lot of it too is i see a lot of criticism leveled in this sort of unspoken idea that jewel isn't smart enough mm-hmm. you see that mm-hmm. like in in especially back in a lot of the criticism of her early she didn't take an advance for her first album she said she could have there was a bidding war they, they were, like, welcoming um, people from the industry into this tiny coffee shop where she was performing, like, guys in suits with limos who mm-hmm. were there to see her and try to sign her. And there was this huge bidding war over who would get to sign her. And she didn't take a big advance because she read this big book about the music industry to try to figure out how to navigate this. And she realized that if she did, they would have a ton of control over what kind of music she made. Mm-hmm. But that if she didn't take a big advance then because they weren't in for too much with her, they would let her have more freedom Mm -hmm. and more control. And that's why Pieces of You got made. Mm -hmm. If she had taken the big advance... It wouldn't be the same. It probably would never have been made like that. Um, Which I thought was... I mean, like, that's really smart. She Mm -hmm. made the album she wanted to make. She said what she wanted to say. She got sort of, you know, sidelined as time went on to try to make her into the... If you you watch some of her music videos as time moves on... Mm. (laughs) Intuition... (laughs) intuition it's it's wild I mean when you take it from like (laughs) I'm just thinking about the music video you had me watch Foolish Games which opens Foolish Games opens with a saddled but like riderless horse running wild slow motion motion. that is the first thing you see Um, 
<laughs> but Who Will Save Your Soul was filmed in a bathroom in oh, a busy yeah. public restroom. It was filmed there because at the time, Jewel said, when you're when you when you don't have a home, you know, when you're a person facing homelessness and there's nowhere you can go to be alone, the restroom, the bathroom becomes very important to you because you can sit in a bathroom stall and be alone. Mm -hmm. And it was the only place at the time that she could be alone. So that's why she filmed it in this bathroom is because it's like a place where all humanity goes, but you can also be alone. And she thought that was very important. That's cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this and, is, and the way it's shot is like sh her particular stall is like a little shrine almost. Like, it's yes. very it's a magical bathroom stall. <laughs> it is. It was very clever and cool. Mm -hmm. And then, yes. And then intuition happened. And like, all of a sudden, she does have like, like you said, Tay, almost like a Britney Spears moment. She's in like, a really pretty sparkly tight dress and she's dancing and <laughs> and it, it's clear that it's supposed to be kind of tongue-in-cheek like she's making fun of that kind of presentation yes but even that doesn't sit well with me because now she's mocking other women and mm -hmm. their careers and that seems very anti that earnestness that we all related to exactly exactly that was not jewel oh. um i do have to i have to ask sig because i have this memory maybe it's a false one but the look of Jewel in the Foolish Games video, did you not base a prom look around that or a homecoming look? I never had like that sheer dress with like the tank top underneath kind of thing. I, I never yeah. had that. Um, I did have a lot of now I wore sheer shirts with tank tops underneath constantly in high school. I mean, yes, that was very much part of my look and the hair. I, I would say the, okay, maybe it's that <laughs> the hair definitely mm -hmm. that that hair look inspired many um, dance date night yes um, of like all kind of piled up messily on the top with some sort of flowers or butterflies or something mm -hmm. stuck up there kind of scattered amongst it mm -hmm. and then the like little PC strands all mm -hmm. hanging down around my face yes the, the moment where she is brooding while doing a mirroring exercise yes. in Foolish Games. I'm like, oh, that's just Sid. That is Sid in high school right there. <laughs> I was very much, I mean, Jules' whole look. I also, on a very shallow note, I, despite having braces, still have crooked teeth to this day. And I remember the first time I watched Jules sing, thinking, she was, we both have crooked teeth. <laughs> I, I, I loved that as a teenage girl it was very meaningful to me that she didn't have her teeth fixed mm -hmm. and because my teeth were also crooked mm -hmm. and are to this day <laughs> so yeah I tried to I tried to be like Jewel her music made me cry it still makes me cry yeah obviously but it's also <laughs> 2020 so most things make sure, me cry yeah. doesn't she take much she had a, that was she had a later she had a later bop. What was that? Uh, well, the hand song was good, and then that uh, "Am I Standing Still" mm -hmm. that song. She had a couple later songs, and you know, uh, I I remember. Yeah, no, I I loved some of her later songs. Um, yeah, <laughs> I I I really got into some of her later stuff, and then I didn't really make the country turn. I've never been a huge country fan, and so yeah. when she. When she went full in the country, it was a natural progression for her. But mm -hmm. I mean, it it was just not my favorite stuff. But. It is on that that edge between country and alternative. Mm -hmm. Even like in pieces of you, there are moments where it sounds very. I could get that transition. Wait, I think so she 
She went, sorry, she went all the way to country at the end. I didn't follow her that far. Her mm-hmm. and Taylor Swift really did go in opposite direction. Yeah, it really was opposite. <laughs> yeah, she started with this like really raw folk stuff, kind of made was a pop there, turn and, there and was, then ended country. And there was some pop in the middle. Yeah. And see, yeah. Taylor Swift just came out with her first alternative folk album mm-hmm. and has been pop in between, but started out country. Man, Taylor wow. Swift just <laughs> took Jules' career and said, let me flip it. Let me flip it. <laughs> It, it really is. And I guess she has said recently in interviews that she is going to come out with another, like a what she calls like a bookend to Pieces of You. Oh, yeah. yeah like okay. back to the raw folk, uh-huh. honest stuff that made her jewel, supposedly. And I, I will be, I mean. So we'll be talking about that when that I'll comes be out. right there for that. Yeah. Uh, Life Uncommon is a good song she did later. I sing that to the girls sometimes to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend that. But um, but thank you both. And again, I would recommend if you are not familiar with the album Pieces of You, it's very good. But that that is a good point, Tay, that you made. That song Pieces of You, the title song, um, does have the F slur in it. So mm-hmm. that is a. It is. I I skip it when I listen yeah. to the album. Yeah, it's yeah. not fun. It's not fun to listen to now for me. <laughs> no, no, and I wouldn't want to recommend to people to listen to it without knowing that. Yeah. Uh, what's up next, Tay? Well, um, I uh, I was very happy to see that there is there's new Animaniacs in the world uh, that just came out on Hulu. Uh, so I haven't gotten a chance to check it out yet, but I loved the Animaniacs as uh, as a young person. Um, I hope it hope it holds the test of time. But I wanna I wanna watch some Animaniacs and talk about it. Originally, I think it came out in ninety three. Think ninety three or ninety five. I think ninety three. Uh, something like that i'm i'm excited we watched we've seen one episode of the new animaniacs and it in my opinion it holds up so i'm really excited to show the girls more of both the old and the new and i've never seen original animaniacs so good yeah it's it's good i i was a bigger fan of tiny tunes when i was young but they both were kind of on at the same time produced by the same people Mm -hmm. uh but as as i got older like my teenage self appreciated animaniacs a lot more because i think it was kind of that had those jokes meant for for adults even though it was a kid's show Mm -hmm. well i think that'll be fun um i look forward to that and thank you again both of you for (laughs) indulging me (laughs) it was a journey (laughs) Um, I, yeah, I, I didn't realize the journey I was about to go on. So, so thank you. Or Justin watching yeah. Justin like, oh man, body surf across the kitchen counter uh, with discomfort. <laughs> to get away, uh, yeah, to get away from the song "Pieces of You" was a lot. Um, but thank you, thank you, listeners. Uh, I hope that you all have a a safe, socially distanced holiday where you have lovely Zoom or whatever other digital platform you gather on gatherings with your family and not in person please 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 um but eat something that brings you joy <laughs> you can you can have a meal together over zoom mm-hmm. it's fine mm-hmm. we'll be communicating with taylor uh yeah. over zoom or skype well, i was trying to remember what program we're using skype, skype. skype. <laughs> something something where i look at taylor on the computer that's fine um, <laughs> You can watch me eat tofurkey. I'm going to try to make tofurkey for the Ooh. first time. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, go to MaximumFun.org for a lot of wonderful podcasts you would enjoy. Uh, you can tweet at us at StillBuff. You can email us at StillBuffering at MaximumFun.org for questions or comments or suggestions or whatever. And uh, thank you to, no- to the novellas for our theme song, Baby Change Mind. This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I'm Still Buffering. 
And, and I, I am too. Should I? Are we? Yeah. This is like the secret track at the end of us. This is the secret track at the end. <laughs> Jewel redid her song Hands to make it about hand washing for so, COVID-19. So just remember, in this holiday season... That's it. <laughs> That's all that matters. That's all that matters. That's it. <laughs> and she's still so earnest. One, two, one, two, three, five. Hi, everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. We're both doctors. and Nope, just me. Okay, well, Sydney's a doctor, and I'm a medical enthusiast, and we create... Okay. Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. Every week I dig through the annals of medical history to bring you the wildest, grossest, sometimes dumbest tales of ways we've tried to treat people throughout history. And lately we do a lot of modern fake medicine because everything's a disaster, but it's slightly less of a disaster every Friday right here on MaximumFun.org as we bring you Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. And remember, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.